All right. Hey, as you grab a seat, if you got a Bible with you, go ahead and grab that right now. We'll be in Matthew chapter 6. want to welcome those of you watching online. You can go ahead and grab Bible 2 as you track along with us. Hey, for those of you in the room, I know there's a lot of us here tonight. There are some seats down here. I know no one wants to be in the front row of the class. I get it. Uh, some seats over here, so if you want those, or you can just hang where you are. No, no sweat. So uh, tonight, tonight, we're really kicking off a month of January where we are going to focus on a small phrase that Jesus said um, that might, might, just be important to your life. Well, we're going to look at the phrase Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, where he says the words, do not worry. He's going to teach all the way through Matthew 6, and we're going to work through this chapter of the Bible where Jesus is teaching, and the real landing point of all of his teaching is do not worry. So here's the invitation. Like, if you're the type of person who really has nothing to worry about, you're not anxious about anything, like, life is easy, you don't wake up in the morning with anything you worry about, I just want to invite you to slog through the next four weeks with us, all right? But, but, but if by chance there might just possibly be something, even a little bit, that you are worried, anxious, overwhelmed about, that you wake up in the middle of the night terrified about, just something like that maybe, if that's the case for you, I want to encourage you to lean in here in the month of January. And I know for some of you, you'll go back to school, your college, wherever you're at. Maybe you're still kind of on the end of winter break here. You can lean in online. You can listen on the podcast, on YouTube, uh, on our website. I want to encourage you to lean in because here's what I know. What I know about your life is this. There are certain things you are worried about that you have the capacity to take care of yourself. Like there are certain things that actually cause you anxiety and stress in your life, and you can actually go knock that out. It's just going to take a little bit of effort. Like some of you are anxious and worried about your car because there's a little indicator light on and you keep being like, I'll take care of it, right? Now's the time to take care of it, right? Like lean into that. There are problems in your life that you could solve with just minimal effort. Like for some of you, you have a bill that you haven't paid in like six months. And it's not that you don't have the money. It's just that you haven't done it. It's easy. You can solve it and you can deal with that anxiety. But, but then if we're honest with ourselves, there's other kinds of stresses in our life, other kind of worries and anxieties that we just can't handle on our own. But like some of you are just dealing with things that unless God moves in a miracle, there's no chance for you. But like some of you are walking through a season in your family, with your job, at your school, in your body, something going on in your life, and you're just going, unless God does a miracle, nothing's going to change here. And here's what I want you to know. Tonight's sermon and what we're going to invite you into is about this kind of worry. Because here's what I know. You don't even have to believe in God to take care of these kinds of worries, right? Anyone can deal with these kinds of worries. But if you're here tonight and there's something that's stressing you out, overwhelming you, where you're going, I've tried everything on my own. I've tried everything I can, but I can't solve this problem. Tonight, I want to invite you into one of the ways Jesus invites you to deal with things that you're worried about so that you might look up and say, I will not be worried anymore about this thing. See, tonight... I want to invite you into something supernatural. Like, I don't know about you, but like as I go into this new year, I don't want to look at my problems and just be like, all right, how can I strategize and get this done? I don't know about you, but I want God to move on my behalf in 2023. Like, I want a miracle. I want God to pour out his blessing upon my life. Like, just this morning, I was up around 6.30. I'm having a quiet time right before my kids wake up. They roll down the stairs at 7, and then it's chaos, okay? But right before 7 o'clock, it's, like, peaceful. But this morning, and I know a lot of young adults, a lot of you aren't up at this hour. Some of you are. But 6.45 this morning, who was awake at 6.45 this morning? Did you guys see the rain this morning at 6.45? Like, that was not Southern California rain. I was like, where am I? You know, so... But, but then here's what happened. I'm drinking my coffee. It's right before the kids come down. And I step out onto my front porch just to watch the rain. And here's what the Holy Spirit whispered to me. 
The Holy Spirit, had just like, this doesn't happen often in my life. But the Holy Spirit was like, pray that this would happen to us. Like, like, the whole, you know, like, God, would you just rain down your blessing on us in 2023? Like, again, God, I don't want just like a little mist. I don't want to just experience a little of your goodness. I want you to just pour down on me and my family and my church and my people and the people who love. God, I just want you to pour out your blessing on my life. And if that sounds like something you want in 2023, tonight, I want to invite you to take a bold step of faith into something that we're going to be doing together as a young adult community. If you want God's blessing in your life, there is a step you can take, and I want to invite you toward it. And here's the step that we're going to start talking about tonight. What we're going to talk about tonight and invite you into a journey over the next three weeks is what we've called for a number of years here, our 21 days of fasting. 21 days of fasting. Now, let me clarify right from the top because that freaks some of you out. This is not you fasting for 21 days straight, okay? Some of you are like, I don't think I could do that. Well, you probably can't. All right, but, but here's what this is. This is a 21-day period where we've done this for a number of years now, where we have started off the year by designating these three weeks, the beginning of the year, the first month of the year to God, to say during these 21 days, here's what we're calling everyone in the room, everyone listening online to do, we are calling you to fast and be involved in some way in the 21 days of fasting. And all throughout tonight, if you're like so clueless, you don't even know what that means, you're like, I don't even know what that means in my life, I'm going to give you a thousand ways to join. But I want to invite you to do this. Not because it's some kind of obligation, not because you should, not because you feel bad about things, but because if you want God to move in powerful ways in your life, one of the best ways for you to do that is to step out into faith into something that scares you, something that worries you, something that you don't feel like you have control over. And fasting is just one of those things. So again, in Matthew 6, Jesus is going to teach on three subjects. He's going to teach on prayer, he's going to teach on giving, and he's going to teach on fasting. And tonight we're going to talk about fasting. So if you have a Bible with you, we'll start in verse 16. And it'll be on the screen for those of you who don't. It says in Matthew 6, 16, just these simple words. He says, when you fast. When you fast. So, so what Jesus begins with is not a command to his disciples, but an assumption about what they'll do. It would be like if I was giving you advice and I said to you, hey, when you brush your teeth tomorrow morning, I'm not telling you to brush your teeth. I've already assumed that you are a kind of person who would brush your teeth. I'm assuming you're a civilized type of individual who picks up your toothbrush every single morning and brushes your teeth. So when I say when I brought you brush your teeth, it's not about whether I'm commanding you. I'm assuming that's going to be a part of your life. And so here's what I want to say about Jesus. When he says the words, when you fast, here's what happens. Jesus fasted and assumed that his followers would fast as well. Like fasting was a part of Jesus' life, and he assumed if you follow after Jesus, you'll fast too. Like the key phrase we use around here all the time is that we live and love like Jesus. And it is shocking to me that we're like, we want to live and love like Jesus. And Jesus is like, I fasted. We're like, not that, right? Like we don't want to do what Jesus did. Jesus fasted and he assumed his followers would fast. Now, if you've been around YA for a few years now, you, you've heard the fasting thing. We've talked about it. We've done it. And so this isn't new to you. But there are some of you who are new or newer. Or you just haven't heard this messaging before. And here's what I want to assume. I want to assume that most of you, like me, did not grow up in a church that talked about fasting ever or very little. Like most of you grew up in churches where fasting just wasn't a thing. It wasn't talked about. It wasn't mentioned. It wasn't celebrated. It wasn't encouraged. And so it just was kind of this thing that like, you kind of saw in the Bible sometimes and just kind of moved past. And if that's you, I don't want you to feel guilt tonight. 
When I say Jesus assumed his followers would fast, I want you to know that in the Western church in the last hundred years, fasting has fallen completely out of favor. And so in some ways, this is like a thing you have to own personally, but in some ways you can recognize like, man, I just haven't been taught this. This hasn't been something the church has valued. Uh, and yet here's Jesus who says, when you fast, like he assumes if you're going to live in love like him, you are going to fast. And, and so it is not your fault if you grew up in a church that didn't talk about fasting, but it is your responsibility to ask, what am I going to do with this thing Jesus assumes I'm going to do? See, tonight, I want to invite you to start putting your toe into this water that Jesus assumes his disciples will do. Again, he says, when you fast. And then here's what I want to do every time I talk about fasting. Because again, um, for so many of you, wasn't talked about, not a thing you have a lot of clarity on. Um, I want to spend just a little bit of time making sure you know what fasting isn't, okay? We'll get to what fasting is in a second. But I want to make sure you're clear on what fasting isn't so that we can dispel the myths and lies around it. That way you're not caught up in something I'm not talking about tonight. So number one, let's be real clear. Fasting is not a way to atone for your sins. Let me be really abundantly clear on this. You not eating food does nothing before God about your sin. The only way your sins are atoned for is on the cross of Jesus Christ. In his death and resurrection, Jesus atones for your sin by taking the penalty of your sin on the cross. That's the gospel. The central message of the Christian faith is you do 0% of the atoning for your sin, and God does 100% of the atoning for your sin. And so if you're kind of like, oh, I feel bad about something I did last week or last year was kind of bad or I've been walking in a sinful pattern, so if I fast, maybe that'll make me right before God. You've missed it. Fasting is not a way to atone for your sins. Number two, fasting is not a way to get what you want from God. It's not some way to manipulate God. God is no fool and he will not be mocked. If you think you can just like, I'll not eat for a few days and then ask God for a new car and he'll show up for me, like that's not how it rolls. It's not how it works. Fasting is not a way we manipulate God because God will not be manipulated. He will not be trifled with. He will not be played with. He will not be messed with by your schemes. He is bigger than you. He is stronger than you. He needs nothing from you. And you not eating doesn't impress him. Like again, fasting is not a way to get what you want from God. And if somehow you've been convinced, if I just fast, I'll get what I want, you've missed it because what you want isn't God. What you want is stuff. And then, listen, um, fasting is not a time management tool. Um, I, I, here's why I say this one. When I did hear about fasting growing up, I always heard about it in this context, that fasting is great because instead of eating lunch, what you do is you take your lunch hour and you go pray. And that is a good thing. We'll talk about all that. We'll talk about you taking time to go pray and be with the Lord. But I want to be clear. Like, fasting is not the issue of, like, man, it is so laborious and time-consuming to eat food. And so if I don't do that, I'll finally have time to pray. If the issue of you not, you don't have any time to pray, your issue isn't food. Your issue is something in your heart, okay? It's not your stomach. It's your heart. And so, again, it's not this time management thing where it's like, okay, you just replace one thing for another. It is this mystery we embrace, like fasting is not a time management tool where we just create more time for prayer. Listen, fasting is not a discipline just for super Christians. You know why I can say that so confidently? Because there's no such thing as super Christians. There's just Christians. And if you're in the room, you're like, I'm just a weak little Christian. I'm just a baby Christian. I'm not good enough. No, Jesus says you are holy. You are chosen. You are dearly loved. You are just as equipped as I am or anyone else to lean into the things of God and receive the things of the Spirit. So fasting is not something for like super Christians, great Christians. In fact, I have a buddy who says it this way. He says, I don't fast because I'm a great Christian. I fast because I'm a lousy Christian. I fast because there are prayerless days in my life. I fast because sometimes I don't open the word. I fast because sometimes I worry when God told me not to. I fast because I fail and stumble in my sin. I fast because I need more of God. 
not because I already have so much of him. Well, like, that's the invitation. And so if you're in this room going, like, fasting's for, like, those really cool Christians, the really good ones, but it's not for me. I'm not there yet. No, no, no. Fasting is for you. It is for the type of person who needs more of God. Listen, fasting is not, let's get into this one, a weight loss tool. It's not a weight loss tool. Um, if you're into intermittent fasting and that's a pattern in your life and that's healthy, knock yourself out. But that's not what we're talking about here. And if you are rolling out of the holidays and you're like, man, I put on a few pounds, I could really use some weight loss. Oh, fasting, perfect. Like I'll just not eat. I'll starve myself and I'll lose weight. I just want you to know that is like a highway, like a super highway to you having a disordered relationship with food. And you do not need that. But listen, fasting is something that will reorient and help you understand your relationship with food. But if your primary impulse going into a fast is, I feel overweight and so I'll fast and starve myself so I don't, so I'll lose weight. But like it will ultimately end up damaging you. Like fasting is not a weight loss tool. This is not Jesus' way of getting you in shape in the new year. Please do not treat it in that way. Um, and then next one, fasting is not bad or dangerous for your health. So, so on the one hand, I'm going to say it's not this weight loss tool. It's not this thing. And it can really have risks with it. And yet at the same time, you not eating is not bad or dangerous for your health. And I think for some people, you're so shocked at the idea that a church would call you to fast that you're not even sure what to do with that. But then I want you to hear the words of Richard Foster. He writes a book called The Celebration of Discipline, which I recommend to all of you. He says this. He says, the constant propaganda fed to us today convinces us that if we do not have three large meals each day with several snacks in between, we are on the verge of starvation. This, coupled with a popular belief that it is a positive virtue to satisfy every human appetite, has made fasting seem obsolete. Anyone who takes a serious attempt to fast is bombarded with objections. I understand that fasting is injurious to your health, or won't it destroy healthy body tissue? All of this, of course, is utter nonsense based on prejudice. While the human body can survive only a short time without air or water, it can go many days before starvation begins. And, and so here's just what I want to say. Um, Fasting is one of those things that is not injurious to you. It's not going to cause you harm. Well, we'll talk about some exceptions to that in just a moment. But I want to be clear. If you have never fasted, you can't even get your mind around the idea of 24 hours or 36 hours or 72 hours without food. And you don't even think that's possible. I want you to know that fasting is one of the most universal practices in human history, full stop. Like, Every religion, every continent, every race, every nation, every kingdom, everywhere, there was fasting. Ancient world, modern world, all over the place. Fasting is not some strange thing, and it is only in our hyper-commercialized Western American 21st century world where we think it's crazy down. So I want to invite you into that. It is not going to injure you. It's not going to harm you with the exception of, and here's the final one I want to say it's not. Fasting is not for everyone right now. It's not for everyone right now. So let me speak to a few of you. Um, I know that's not primarily this room. I know some people will listen online or for the podcast, so I'll say it for them. Um, if you're a mom who's pregnant, um, fasting is not for you right now. If you are breastfeeding, um, fasting is not for you right now. There are certain medical conditions that certain people have where food and blood sugar is a really important thing, uh, and fasting may or might not be for you, and I want you to go talk to your physician. Like, I want you, if you think, I have this medical thing, and I know about it, and I know it's an issue, before you fast, before you enter anything, talk to a physician who's going to know your medical situation. And then here's the final group, and, and I know this is going to hit a number of you. Um, there are some of you who have walked through disordered eating in the past or in the present. And, and, and this is sort of, um, can go one of two ways. Um, I know people for whom, um, because of their history with disordered eating, because of an eating disorder they've walked through, fasting is just something off the table this side of glory. 
They're okay with it. They understand it. They would love to. They just know if they walked into a certain kind of fast or any kind of fasting, it would stir up some things that would actually lead to their destruction, not their blessing. And if that's you, I want to let you off the hook tonight. Like, I just don't want you to know that you have an eating disorder, and this will trigger that and make things a million times worse, but then feel some kind of guilt or uh, compulsion to do this. I don't want you to do that. If you want to wrestle with a mentor, with a therapist, a counselor, a doctor, by all means do that. But if that's part of your history, I just want you to tap the brakes tonight. But then I've talked to other people, and for other people, they've said actually that fasting was a way of them healing and understanding and coming to peace with their body and with their eating disorder that was actually a road out of that. And so both of these things can be true at once. You can have someone who says this has actually been really the majority of us. Those aren't the quite things at play. For most of us, when it comes to food, when it comes to fasting, it is fear, it is concern, it is worry. Can I do this? Can I pull this off? And so while it's not for everyone right now, I'm just going to boldly say tonight, I think it's for most of you. I think there's an opportunity for you to step into this discipline, especially if you've never done it this January for you to experience what God has for you. I've said what fasting is not. Let me make really clear what fasting is. Fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. I hear people say sometimes I'm going to fast from Netflix or I'm going to fast from social media. And that's awesome. I'm really glad you're going to abstain from that. But that is abstaining. In the Bible, fasting is about food. Actually, in the Bible, fasting is really about two things when it's abstaining. One time they mention, there's one time they mention food, and then one time they mention husbands and wives abstaining from sex for a certain period of time that they might uh, devote themselves to prayer. Outside of that, the Bible is going to reference food. Because food is something that is so precious to us. It's so personal to us. It's so at the core of our being. It's something you don't even realize your relationship to until you step out of it for a certain amount of time. And Jesus says this. He says, when you fast, then he goes on to say this. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces and show each other that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, you've received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, only your Father who is unseen. So Jesus is aware of this impulse inside all of us to show off how spiritually awesome we are. Jesus is aware of this impulse we have to try to do something that is actually spiritual, but then spin it in such a way that makes us look great. And so the real danger here is that you will sign up or somehow lean in for this fast, which I hope every single one of us does, But then you would use that throughout the course of your life to try to make yourself look awesome. So like you just find little moments in conversation to be like, yeah, do I look tired? I am tired. It's because I haven't eaten in two days. You know, like, and you just kind of roll that off to try to get some cred. Or you just try to make people be aware of that. Or someone asks you a question and you're like, I would have answered that, but I'm fasting. You know, like you just don't have to do that. Now, now let me be clear. Um, I don't think Jesus' command here means you have to like keep this such a secret that you end up lying to people. Like, when I fast, I tell my wife about it, okay? It's not like I get home from work and she's like, honey, here's dinner. And I'm like, oh, I'm just not feeling good tonight. You're like, I don't lie to her. If you have roommates or or a husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, someone significant in your life that's going to be impacted by it, it's okay to tell them. It's okay to say, hey, I want you to know I'm going to be fasting. Here's what it's going to look like. If you choose to fast, that's a wonderful thing. It's okay to tell people who are around you who are going to be affected. But you get Jesus' point. Don't show it off. Don't draw attention to yourself. I'll put it this way. If you fast, your fast will lack power if it brings attention to you. If your fast is really all about you fasting and how awesome it is that you're fasting, that's your reward. 
people will think you didn't eat food for a day and they'll move on and not think about it again. That's your reward, like congratulations. But listen, if your fast will create power if it brings attention to God, if it brings your attention to God, if your fasting is ultimately about how awesome you are, that's your reward. But if you want a reward where you actually encounter the spirit of God, where his blessing pours out upon your life, it happens when it brings your attention to God. Again, Jesus says, don't do this where it will be obvious, but only to your father who is unseen. And then here's what he says in the back half of verse 18. He says, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Like I want you to know all throughout this chapter, giving and fasting and praying, Jesus doesn't say, hey, do these things because it's the right thing to do. He doesn't say do these things or you're a lousy Christian. He doesn't say do these things or else you're not as good as you could be. He doesn't guilt you. He doesn't shame you. Guilt and shame are these powerful short-term motivators, right? Like if you've ever felt guilty about something or kind of ashamed, maybe of like how not clean your room was or, or how much time you spent on your phone, that is a powerful motivator for about like 90 hours, right? And then you are done with that thing. But here's the wonderful thing about Jesus. He does not motivate you to fast. He does not say you should fast out of guilt and shame. Here's what he does. He does not offer guilt and shame. Jesus holds out the promise of reward. He says, I have something for you. It's like Jesus has dropped this reward right here on the stage. He's like, you can have it if you want. You don't have to have it, but you can have it if you want. It's awesome. You're going to love it. It comes from God. It's going to be the best kind of thing. You can have it if you fast. See, Jesus holds out the promise of reward. And this is why we fast. Because I want you to remember this phrase over and over and over again as we talk about spiritual disciplines, that physical obedience brings spiritual reward. Physical obedience brings spiritual reward. Every single one of the physical uh, obedience you do, all these spiritual disciplines are really something that brings spiritual reward in my life. So when I spend time in prayer, that spiritual reward I'm encountering. When I give generously, Jesus promises reward. And when I fast, here's the mystery. I know for so many of you, you do not get how you not eating food for a period of time could possibly result in anything spiritual in your life. And here's the wonderful thing about fasting. You will only realize how true that is once you do it. Once you do it. Like, I can't stand here and tell you, well, what happens is on an empty stomach, God, like, sends extra blessing into your tummy. Like, that's not how it works. I, I just want you to know what God does is he sees your physical obedience and he goes, I'm rewarding that woman. I'm rewarding that man. I'm pouring my, my blessing is going to rain down on them. Like physical obedience brings spiritual reward. And so let me talk right now about the 21 days of fasting and how you can be involved with it. Let me talk right now about what it means for you to lean in with our 21 days of fasting. Again, this is not a 21-day fast where you don't eat for 21 days. It is 21 days of fasting. And I'm going to give you the who, what, when, where, why. Who? Number one, uh, who? Anyone seeking, get more, uh, sorry. Bleh. Anyone seeking God to move on their behalf in 2023. That's who this is for. If you are anxious about something, if you are worried about something, if you are on the edge of a graduation or a transition or a season in life, if you're looking at your life going, I wonder what God's going to do in 2023, don't you want him to move on your behalf this year? Don't you want God to do something miraculous and powerful and beautiful in your life? Don't you want to not just go through another year where you're just going through the motions? Don't you want God to move? This is the invitation. The invitation is for anyone who wants God to move powerfully on their behalf. And so I don't know what your thing is. I don't know what's going on in your heart and your life and your family and your career and your education. I just know that God wants to move on your behalf. I love this quote from Jim Biola, or Jim Simbala. He says this. He said, I despaired the thought that my life might slip away without God showing himself mighty on our behalf. That, that quote has stuck with me. 
it's like I despaired the thought that I would just go through my 20s or go through my early life or go through my career, go through college without God moving mightily on my behalf. Don't you want to live a life where you look back and you see God move in power? That's the invitation for you. This is for anyone seeking God to move on their behalf in 2023. Number two, uh, what are we doing? Uh, We are abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. So again, what is fasting? Fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. And I want to give you a number of different kinds of fasts. Here's the real practical ways you can lean in with this fast. Uh, I want to give you a number of fasts that we see in the scriptures, okay? So number one is a complete fast. A complete fast is simply this, that you consume no calories for a certain amount of time. And so when I do a complete fast, I will have water, I will have black coffee, and because I probably cheat on the fast, Coke Zero. Okay, like, that's what I have on the fast. Like, that, that's my thing. Some people will be like, Coke Zero is bad. I, sorry, I'm doing it. No calories. And then you select a time. 12 hours. Could you do 12 hours? 24 hours? 36 hours? Probably the most amount of time I would want some of you to step in unless you're very advanced is 72 hours. Where you fast for 72 hours, and I promise you this is doable. Again, exceptions, we talked about that, we understand. But for those of you who can, consider an absolute fast. This is the most basic way. For some people, the 24-hour fast is as simple as you eat dinner on Monday night, you don't eat dinner again until Tuesday night. And for all of you, if the way you fast is just one day, during this 21 days, you decide to fast, praise God. That'll get you moving in the right direction. For some of you, you might decide, I'll fast three days. One day each week for three weeks, that's how I'm going to participate. That is what the absolute or or the complete fast is. The second one is this, a selective fast. A selective fast I would recommend for doing 21 days. So a complete fast is I'm not eating any calories, just water or or tea or or black coffee or Coke Zero or whatever your thing is, right? I'm going to eat that for a certain period of time. Uh, A selective fast is when you take something in your life that you think you have given too much space and prominence and decide to eliminate it for a period. And so here's the biggest one I want to recommend to some of you. 21 days. I think some of you need to do 21 days without alcohol. I I want you to be clear here at this church. Um, If you're of age, we've got no problem with you drinking. We've got no problem with alcohol. If it's under control and, and if you're of age, we think there's responsible and healthy ways to drink. But I think I said take 21 days off alcohol, and some of you thought there's no way I could ever do that. And if you thought that, you absolutely need to take 21 days off alcohol to figure out whether this thing owns you or not. A selective fast is when we take something and we wonder, is this thing owning me? Does this thing have power over me? And we decide 21 days, I'm not going to do it. 21 days, I'm going to pull this out. It's not that you're never going to drink again. It's not that alcohol is evil. It's not that alcohol should never be in the life of a Christian. It's just 21 days, I'm going to pull this out. For, for some of you, it's alcohol. Maybe for some of you, it's caffeine. Like, like maybe just for honestly, some of you, like this thing, you just like have so much coffee, so much soda, so much. I mean, that's probably my issue. But like, do you have, like, like at some point, you just need to pull that out and just say, okay, for 21 days, can I go without this? I know people who have done this with meat. I know some people who are just, they're so addicted to eating out and they're always doing that. They just take 21 days to not do that. But again, whatever it is, you're pulling back on one thing for 21 days. That's the selective fast. The next is the Daniel fast. The Daniel fast is actually found in the book of Daniel. At some point, we'll teach through that. It's a beautiful passage where it says Daniel only eats vegetables and water for 21 days. Now, there's different ways of doing this. There's an intense way of just vegetables and water. Or the real way you'll see popular on the internet is this, um, that you just eat kind of whole, natural. It's like a vegan diet for 21 days, but it's like whole natural foods. All right, so they they put it this way. If it comes from a plant, eat it. If it was made in a plant, don't eat it. Like, that's the Daniel fast in in summary. Um, And and, and here's what's crazy. 
You might think like, how is eating vegan for three weeks a spiritual thing? I don't know. But in the story in Daniel chapter 10, he does this for three weeks. And then after three weeks, an angel shows up and says, Daniel, you are beloved and chosen of God. And God moves mightily on his behalf. That's what happens. And so I just want you to know, like, this is the mystery of fasting. I don't know why that brought that about. And yet God did exactly that. That's the Daniel fast. I want to invite you to it. The next is the partial fast. Um, the partial fast, sometimes it's called the Jewish fast. Um, uh, coming from Judaism, and what many in Judaism would do uh, is that they would fast until sundown each day. Like they would just fast until sundown, and then they would eat an evening meal, and you are blessed and highly favored because the sun is setting at like 5 o'clock nowadays, right? Like, like that's what you can do. This is what I, I did last year. It was just such a different experience for me of, okay, I'm going to lean in to fasting in this kind of way. So for 21 days, you just don't eat until sundown. And if you don't want to do it 21 days, do it for two days. Do it for five days. Decide to lean in in this way. Uh, and then the final kind of fast I'll put before you is this, and that's the soul fast. Uh, and the soul fast is really for those of you who I talked about in the beginning. Like, if you are in that category of, I should not medically fast, um, I want to invite you to just pick something. Whether it be social media or Netflix or your phone, maybe a certain app, maybe it's video games. Whatever that thing is, to just remove that for 21 days and see what God does through that. So again, many different ways to fast. You can do it for one day. You can do it for 21 days. You can do it for any amount in between there. If you want more information on this, you can find it at calvarywestlake.org fast. All of these are listed here with more information of how you can do that. But here's the important thing. The important thing isn't that you pick the best way. Some of you are like so wired to be like, but what's the best fast? And the answer is there's no best fast. The, the best fast is the one that means something to you. Let me say it this way. If it means something to you, it means something to God, right? Like Daniel fast. You're like, I'm already vegan, done. I'm Daniel fasting. Like that means nothing to God. But if you're like, you know what, I've never fasted before in my life, I'm going to try 24 hours and I'm terrified and you step out in faith, I think God honors that. God sees that. God loves that. God loves when he sees you step out in faith in something you're not certain of. And you know what's probably going to be the case? The first time you fast, it's going to be hard. The first time you fast, it's going to be confusing. The first time you fast, you're not going to be sure if you're doing it right. But it's like every other spiritual discipline. You remember the first time you prayed? You were like, um, God? You know, like you didn't know. Like the first time you read your Bible and you were in Genesis and it was cool and you got to Leviticus and you're like, I give up, right? Like when you step out into something new, I think God honors that. If it means something to you, it means something to God. And so again, I'm not going to pressure anyone in this room, anyone in this ministry, anyone in this church to do any specific kind of fast. I just want to invite you to consider it and to consider what kind of fast God might have for you. So that's the who, the what, the when. The when is it starts Friday, tomorrow, January 6th, and ends Thursday, January 26th. So that's the three weeks. Um, here's what's cool. If you're listening on the podcast or on the, the, the YouTube, the YouTube. <laughs> um, if you're listening later, like there's nothing to be like, oh, I heard this sermon in June, so I can't do it. No, you can fast in June. It works then too. Um, but, but, but go ahead and do it. And so we'll start tomorrow. And um, tonight we'll invite some of you to text a phone number. And that just tells us you're in on it in some way. We won't ask you what you're doing. We won't ask you anything about it other than just you to say I'm in. We'll send text messages to those who text this number tonight all 21 days just to encourage you and bless you and pray for you along the way. Uh, but that's what's going to happen. We are going to be doing that. And here's my encouragement. I know some of you are here tonight, and in the next week or so, you're going to head off to school. There is no reason why you can't be fasting at your school. There's no reason why you can't join in on this fast from afar. It's not like you leave the Canal Valley. It's like, doesn't work anymore. No, it works. Lean in. I want to encourage you not to think, well, I'm leaving in 22 days, so I shouldn't do it. No, lean in with us. Any, and where's this happening? This is happening anywhere and everywhere. Like, again, there's no location. There's no place you have to be. There's just God moving through your obedience. 
And why? We said it before, because physical obedience brings spiritual reward. Physical obedience brings spiritual reward in your life. And here's what I want you to know. I don't know exactly what that reward is. I know that can be frustrating. I'm not going to stand here and promise anything from God because I'm not God. And I don't have some unique way to speak for him. I can only speak for what I see in the scripture. And yet I've seen fasting play out in my own life. And I've seen fasting play out in the lives of friends and people I love. I've seen fasting do amazing things. And so I'm going to just list some things fasting might be about in your life. And again, I'm not promising this. Like, don't walk away thinking, like, I was promised this would happen. Listen, God will do whatever God wants to do with your obedience, and he will bless you in whatever ways he wants to bless you. But here's kind of the spoiler of it all. He tends to bless you more than you could possibly ask or imagine. That the scriptures, you know what Psalm 23 says? That surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Like, God is not a stingy God. He is not an angry God. He's not this tightwad up in heaven being like, I don't want to give her a blessing. Like, he wants to. And so again, I'm not promising any of these things, but can I ask you a series of questions here? Question number one, what if fasting was the means by which God brought you back to faith? Some of you have been wandering away from God. Like this last year was a disaster with your faith. This last year, you have just been into so many other things and you've just kind of wanted to get back, but the spirit has been willing, but your flesh has been weak. And so what if fasting was the way God got a hold of your attention and brought you back? What if fasting was the way God brought your friend or your roommate or, or your brother back to faith? Like what if, and again, I'm not guaranteeing God's going to do this. I just want to ask, what if you stepping out in faith was the means by which God bringing you back to him? Number two, what if fasting is the means by which God frees you from your besetting sin? See, there are sins we commit in life that are accidental. There's times as a dad, I fly off the handle, I get mad at my kids, and I have to repent and say sorry to them and to God. But then there are sins in my life and your life that just kind of stick with you. You keep saying, I'll never do this again, I'll never do this again, and yet it shows up again. What if fasting was the way you got freed from that? What if fasting was the way you got free from your addiction to alcohol, your addiction to pornography? What if fasting was the way you got over that thing in your life that you swear you'd never do again? Fasting was the means by which God set you free. What if fasting was the means by which God heals wounds from your childhood? I know some of you walk with wounds from your mom, from your dad, from your home, from the family you grew up in. And you're in counseling, you're dealing with them. Those are good, right tools to talk to right people and work through things and be in safe places. But to the person who's never fasted, I want you to know that God can set you free from those wounds. You don't have to live that way forever. You don't have to be shaped by what happened to you when you were young. It can matter. It can impact you. But you can be set free from that, not in just like an easy sort of slick Christian way, but in a way where you submit your life to the Spirit of God and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. There's liberty. And so I just want to invite you, like, what if God's saying, like, fasting is just a way I'm going to help set you free? What if fasting is the main, by means by which God opens a new door for your career? Like, I just wonder if for some of you, you're trying to figure out what work is, and, and fasting is, again, fasting is not this, like, you fast, and God gives you great things, and that's how it all works. No, fasting is a way for us to be attuned to God, and maybe God's spirit has been going, go this way for years, and you just haven't paused enough to hear it. Like, I want to invite you to know God might be directing you, opening new doors, leading you in new directions. What if fasting is the means by which this happens? What if fasting is the means by which God prepares you to meet your spouse? Like, like what if you've been single and that's just been killing you and grinding upon you and you just can't get over that idea? And what if fasting is the means by which God prepares your heart to be in the right place for you to meet the right person? Like, we always say this, right? When you are single and you want to be married, the wrong thing to do is just sit around and do nothing until Mr. Right walks into your life. Like, that is the wrong way. 
What if fasting is the means by, by which God prepares your heart to meet the woman or the man that you're going to marry someday? Like, what if God just prepared your heart in that way? Listen, what if fasting, um, this final one, what if fasting is the means by which God gives you vision and clarity for your ministry? For your ministry. And you might go, Brian, you're in ministry, not me. Man, I hope you don't think that. All of us are in ministry. The moment we are baptized, we are in ministry. Some of us do it full-time as a job. All of us do it as a part of our lives. We have a ministry. You have a calling. You have a purpose. God has given you something. You are here on purpose and for a purpose, and God has a purpose for your life. And yet some of us, we don't really know what that is because we've never sought God's face in such a way. And I just wonder if fasting would give you a clarity to say, you know what? God's put me on this earth to be a doctor and to serve those who are hurting. God's put me on this earth to be a lawyer and help those who are vulnerable. God's put me on this earth to start a business and help in this way. God's put me on this earth to be a teacher and mold young minds. I don't know what your ministry is, what your calling is, but I know that if you step out in faith, God will reveal that to you. He will help bring clarity for you. Listen, this is the mystery of fasting. Do I have any idea why you not eating food is something that God wants to bless and honor? God wants to move in your life? I don't. I don't pretend to understand the mind of God. I don't pretend to understand why God set it up this way. There's a million different ways he could have done it. And yet here's the truth that I do know. That the only way to understand the practice of fasting is to fast. It's the only way. This is one of those things that I could like talk until I'm blue in the face and I could persuade you and hand you books and podcasts and lectures and I could yell at you and scream at you and all of that. The only way for you to understand the power of fasting is to fast. And so that's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you tonight, as we close out this sermon, to answer one simple question. And here's the simple question I want you to ask. This is a prayer you can pray. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? That's the question. Our band will make their way up right now. We're going to begin some worship at the end here. But this is the simple question. Holy Spirit of God, what do you want me to do? And listen to me. You don't owe me, Brian Howard, an answer on anything. You don't owe our pastors, our directors, our worship leaders. You don't owe the person sitting to your left or to your right. You don't owe them an answer on this. I think when you ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? That is something you need to respond to before God. And listen, the answer might be, the answer might be that right now you are in a season where physically it is not right for you to fast, and I want you to do that guiltlessly as you go forward. But the answer might be that God is calling you to do something. And can I say this one last thing? Every eye on me right now. This is what I've learned with fasting. There is never a good time to fast. Full stop. If I said, hey, alcohol for three weeks, you're like, I kind of need to do that. And then it occurred to you that you're at a wedding next weekend. If you can't have fun at a wedding without alcohol, you definitely need three weeks off. Like, definitely need three weeks off. Or if you're going, I want to fast, but I'm actually in this season where I'm trying to, you know, like, all of those things. And again, all of those things are legitimate. I just want you to know there's never going to be a season in your life where you're like, I have nothing to do for the next three weeks, right? That's not how life rolls as an adult. And yet, I want to invite you into this. I want to invite you to fast, and I want you to answer this question. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? It's not about her. It's not about him. It's not about everyone else. Tonight, I want to ask the question, what do you want me to do? So here's how I want you to answer that question. Um, in just a second, we'll just take a few moments, probably a minute or two in this room. And I want you to answer, ask that question that's up on the screen. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And then if the answer is in some way, shape, or form, you want to be part of this fast, whether it's a one-day fast or 21 days of a Daniel fast or 21 days without alcohol, or you're going to try a two- or a three-day fast, maybe a selective fast or a partial, whatever it is, if that's you, I want you to text the word FAST, just F-A-S-T, 
to the phone number on the screen. There's a short code up there. Just text FAST to the number on the screen. Here's what will happen. Immediately you'll receive a text back from us just to acknowledge that you've texted us. And then every day for 21 days, whether you're fasting or not, we will send you a message of encouragement, of scripture, of prayer, just to know that we are behind you, we're thinking of you, we love you, and that we're all in this thing together. But again, the question for you is this. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? I'm gonna take a few moments of silence. Um, and I wanna invite you to pray that prayer honestly. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer like that in your life before, but I wanna invite you to pray it honestly. I'll close in prayer, we'll close in singing, and we'll see what God does when physical obedience leads to spiritual reward. Let's take a moment of silence. going to put this slide back up with the phone number after the service and if you've already texted that's awesome and if you haven't and still wrestling with it you can do it later tonight you can do it later we'll put it on our social media we'll have it up you can do that but I want you to keep wrestling with that question Holy Spirit what do you want me to do would you stand with me right now as I pray and ask that God would show up in power in 2023 Again, we are not doing this fast because it's just an interesting or different thing to do. We're doing this because we believe and are asking for God to show up in power in our church and in our families and in each and every single one of our lives. And that's my hope for you and my prayer that just as the rain has been pummeling down on our state, that God's blessing would pour upon your life and that you would have the eyes to see it, the ears to hear it, and the heart to receive it. So Father in heaven, thank you for tonight and thank you for the opportunity we have to step into this fast. God, I pray we would take bolder steps of faith than we've ever taken before. I pray for the man or the woman in this room who's scared, who's worried, who's not sure this is for them. I pray that you would push them across that line of faith. I pray for the person who's done this before and knows that they are called deeper still. Would you do that for them tonight? God, would you meet us in power? God, we don't want you to do small things. We want you to do massive, unbelievable, immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Ephesians 3.20 kinds of things. Would you do that in our ministry? Would you do that in our families? Would you do that in our lives? God, we trust you. We believe you. We give our physical obedience, God, at the promise of spiritual reward. So meet us in this place, we pray in Christ's name. And all God's people said real loud, 